day. So every day we start fresh because we can't affect the past, but we damn sure can make a difference today. Welcome to episode 86 of Shop Talk. It's Carrie. And Jennifer. And we are back to recap 520 of The Rookie and 120 of The Rookie Feds. We saw Isabel return on The Rookie and The Rookie Feds had a terror attack in the city uh, to handle. So there were intense moments both personally and professionally this week. So it was kind of, they were good episodes, I thought. They were. I mean, there was a lot going on in each episode as far as storylines or side storylines, but yeah they were good yeah they were really good i don't know the rookie always comes back from a hiatus and just like slays with the episode so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we do have quite a bit of news though that we'll start off with so Mm -hmm. first because the rookie was renewed for season six yeah season six baby yeah um there's still no words on the rookie fed so which I'm bitter about, not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm so bitter. Um, no, but I mean, I'm still obviously so excited about the yeah. rookie. I just expected them both to be <laughs> renewed at the same time. Yeah. But, you know. I um, mean, we're definitely hoping Yeah. that Feds is renewed. I mean, I feel like it will be because it's done really well with, you know, ratings and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean... It's not up to us, unfortunately. So, wish it were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine <laughs> if we got to make decisions? <laughs> oh God, that'd be chaotic. That would be that would be more chaotic than Skip Teresa Randy coming in, and yeah. even Smitty being on the rookie. Like, Honestly, yeah, yeah. We would. I mean, there would be no hesitation. We would be like, yes, these two shows get a renewal, <laughs> and these characters get to interact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, like the same day that the renewal news came down, there was just a lot of other things going on. Yeah. 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 Well, because like the cast was celebrating their season six uh, pickup with, well, okay. So like Melissa started posting first and then she was mm-hmm. covering up the name tags for this other ABC program that the cast is competing on. And it's Celebrity Family Feud, if anyone has seen that show before. They uh, were on it once, right? Yeah. Um, or am I well, thinking it, it was Eric, Eric and was? Yeah, Eric and Rosalind were, um, like, with their actual family. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, lately, they've had a lot more TV shows, like, these past couple seasons, because I've, like, written about the yeah. Celebrity Family Feud. And so, yeah, lots of TV casts have been on. But it's exciting, because, obviously, the Rookie cast is competing against the Rookie Feds cast. So... And we didn't know that at first until Kevin came through with a picture. Literally, Kevin gave no fucks. He was like, let me just post a picture. And then, like, Melissa was still trying to hide the, like, Mm -hmm. name tag on, like, Eric's jacket and Richard's jacket from Jenna's IG video. And it was just so funny. Yeah, like, Melissa was trying to hide it. And Makia was posting the photos. Jenna was. Like, Mm -hmm. they just, they didn't even care. And Melissa's like, no, let's hide it. But then Melissa ended up posting about it. So it was fun. So I was like, girl. (laughs) Yeah. I loved how in her renewal video, like that she did on Instagram stories, uh, Mm -hmm. Judy from Hair and Makeup was there and someone else too. And at first I was kind of like, all right, are they just all hanging out? And then when we found out about Celebrity Family Feud, I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, that makes sense. Like they're getting everyone ready. Mm -hmm. So 
Blaine's yeah. vlog. That's fun though. Yeah. yeah. So, so we don't know when the air date for that will be, but probably sometime in the summer, just because that's like when they usually do their like fun programming. I mean, not that TV's not fun or TV shows, yeah, but, but like game shows, yeah, yeah those all yeah. come back in the summer. I yeah. think it's in July they premiere, maybe, but don't quote me on that. That's what someone had said. They were or like, I hope it's not a July episode, but I don't know. Thanks. So either end of June, early July is yeah. usually when they come back. So. But it'll be fun. So, I mean, we kind of know the teams. Well, we're speculating speculating on the Feds one. But, like, on <laughs> the rookie one, it's Richard, Jenna, Makia, <laughs> Eric, and Melissa. <laughs> and on the Feds, it looks like, well, it's Kevin. It looks like, like it might be James, Nisi, and Felix. And then possibly yeah. Brett, based I on mean, her I would assume so. Because her husband. Post. Yeah. Um. Yeah, her husband, Paul, like, tagged her in an Instagram story from mm-hmm. the Celebrity Family Feud, like, stage. Yeah, so, like, audience, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Say, I mean, but it would be cool if it was, like, the core five, but I could also mm-hmm. see, like, Michelle being on there, who plays yeah, Elena, or, like, Danica. Yeah. But, yeah. They're fun. We love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and... Speaking of Dabika, she actually was on this week's episode of Fantasy Island. That's right. She was because uh-huh. she posted those behind the scenes photos with um Rosalind. Rosalind, yeah. Yeah. I I need to watch that episode. I haven't yet. So I haven't I watched season one and then I wrote mm-hmm. about season two. Still yeah. haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Fantasy <laughs> Island. So I gotta get caught up on that as well. Yeah. Same. Yeah. But um, DGE Press finally released episode descriptions for The Rookie, 521, and 522. And they were kind enough to release the 520 episode description, like, the day of the episode yes. airing. So that was fun. Yeah. And the pictures, too, because everybody's supposed to see the pictures. And I was like, now, wait a minute. There like, was so much it? going on, yeah. <laughs> to say. But... Yeah, so the 521, well, 521 and 121 for feds is actually going to be a crossover, and that promo is crazy. Yeah. Um, at first when we were getting it, like, after the rookie, because it was, like, all feds for the most part, I'm like, why are we getting a feds promo after the yeah, rookie? Yeah, I was very like, confused. That's weird. Was, yeah. Um, but the rookie 521 uh, episode description is... Well, the episode's titled Going Under. It airs next week, um, and the description reads, Officer Lucy Chen goes undercover to infiltrate an illegal firearm operation, and de- Detective Harper and John and Officer John Nolan work together to solve a mystery involving severed limbs found around the city. So, interesting. Uh-huh. I hope none of the limbs move. I mean, I know that was, like, the one from last season or whatever, because the guy, the like, hand. made it move. Yeah. Yeah. But it, like, freaked me out. I was like, no. No more. Yeah. No more moving. Moving body parts, please. Uh, yeah. I'm also here for Nyla and John working together more, yeah. though. Like, I missed that. Yeah. But, like, where's Selena? I mean, I guess Selena could still be there and just not, like, yeah, in the episode description, but. Yeah. Well, because they only put out two promo photos too mm-hmm. for that I mean, well, I mean three in total if you count the one behind the scenes but it was literally just melissa as lucy undercover presumably which so, i'll take that yeah but no yeah. it's still good but like yeah you don't know any any right. real context of anything 
Yeah. And like also, so we saw Angela go on maternity leave in this episode, but like, will we see her at all in 521 and 522? Like, I hope so. But I don't really know how they would like rope her in. Maybe in 522, like she gets a call. Yeah. But. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially if like Wesley's there still, Mm -hmm. then he could like kind of, you know, conference her in or something. Yeah. Possibly. Do you want to take us through the 522 episode description? Yeah, so 522 is called Under Siege, uh, and it's after one of their own is shot, the team suffers a series of close calls and realizes their division may be a target for a group of masked assailants. So people have been speculating that it'll kind of be like a, not well, like two part or, you know, like 521 would end on a cliffhanger or something then them back for 522 i don't know but but like how would that work with the crossover that's true see i don't know it, right like, maybe it's just a coincidence that the titles both kind of i guess that they could i don't know but i don't understand i mean i think would. that was earlier speculation before it was announced that it was going to be a yeah well quote unquote crossover yeah because at that point we had only known the episode titles so <laughs> yeah It'll be good though. Um, the Rookie Feds 121 episode is titled Bloodline. Um, and the FBI takes on a case from the LAPD involving a serial murderer who has been leaving limbs across state lines. After the team follows the lead from Antoinette and Elena's forensic breakthroughs, the killer retaliates against Laura. And that's what we see in the promo. Mm-hmm. Carrie's yeah. not happy. No, I'm not. Literally, like, bubble wrap her. Why do we have... Because, okay, she got, like, hit or whatever in this week's episode. And there was, like, a little, like, scratch or whatever, like, bump on her face. And I was like, why we gotta keep beating her up? Yeah. What's going on? I mean, she just wants to, like, live her life. Like, we figured out before we started recording that they're probably having, like, a housewarming party at her house. Like, Brendan, Antoinette, Mark, and her. Or just something, because, like, I I don't know what's wrong with me that I didn't put that together. Like, <laughs> duh, she got her house. <laughs> They're at her house if she's going to her car. Yeah. To go drive. So, I don't know. But, yeah. We'll see. And I'm just realizing now that the, yeah, the murderer who's been leaving limbs. I didn't, appear, I apparently just blocked out everything mm-hmm. except for the killer retaliating against Laura. That's well, all that's that you're worried about. And Elena working together because we actually got like a promo photo of them. So like yeah. that was cool. Um to see. I'm like, excited to see them work together. Just yeah. because we haven't we've seen Elena like working with the team, yeah. but it's kind of just like giving information. She's not like working directly yeah. with them, like on the actual case. So oh maybe that's what like Elena would decide to go into. Yeah. Maybe, you know, like forensic forensic biology yeah i think yeah. see like if we get a season two we need to know what elena goes into we need to we need to know more about the rest of the team yep you know more about mm-hmm. carter's personal life like mm-hmm. laura's brendan's i mean mm-hmm. just everything so mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so for the it was interesting because they posted the rookie feds finale description before they posted um yeah the uh 121 which i guess maybe because it's 
the crossover thing. But anyway. Um, They've been doing everything backwards, so. Yeah. I mean, look at them at releasing the everything the day <laughs> of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's titled Red One, and it's after an internal investigation unit agent is drugged and buried alive in a desert outside of Vegas. The feds director enlists Garza's unit to discreetly investigate. Meanwhile, Simone's plans for her 49th birthday bash are sidelined. I'm intrigued mm-hmm. about this one. Because right? hopefully we have renewal news before then. So yeah. like hopefully we're not left off on a cliffhanger. Well, if we yeah. are, at least we know that they would be coming back. Yeah. But like if if Brendan's not the one going to try to plan Simone's birthday party, I don't know if I want it. Just Same. because they're such besties. Like, yes. what? Like, how could he not? I mean, Dina and Brendan could like plan it together. Oh, that'd be so fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If like, I, I'd oh be gosh. here for that. Yeah. 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 I don't but, know. Like, I'm, I'm intrigued to like, why are her plans sidelined? Are they because yeah. of work or is something mm-hmm. else going on? Do her yeah. kids come back for it? Like, I, Aww, yeah. I would just love to know more. But it's nice that we do have, like, all three episodes back-to-back. Like, there's no more waiting. Well, there is in terms of, like, the week in between. But, like, there's not, like, two more weeks of waiting or anything Mm -hmm. in between an episode. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then Eric and Roslyn released a new episode of their podcast. He said Aadijo. So be sure to check that out. It's always fun Mm -hmm. listening to them. I'm actually behind on listening to their podcast. So I need to, like, catch up. Yeah, me too. But, I'm a couple yeah. episodes behind. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty short episodes. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. Um, a lot shorter than this episode is probably going to be. <laughs> We've got Listen, a lot. We had a lot. Like, we did. We did. I mean, Chenford and Skip Tracer Randy. And like, we were just blessed in this rookie episode. Let's be real here. <laughs> yeah. Nyla, Angela, all moods. John was even mood. Like, we were blessed so yeah. um we'll start off with the rookie 520 which was titled str and at first i didn't realize like what that stood for and then i was like skip Teresa randy oh my gosh i didn't realize that i mean okay. i would assume that that's what it's for but i mean probably because yeah. literally just the way you have it written out and i can see it like side by side like yeah it has to be it. <laughs> yeah so um but we'll kind of start off with the Skip Tracer Randy storyline because this man is literally so chaotic. Like, he might even be more chaotic than we are at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But John and Nyla meet up. It turns out Selena was given a personal day by Gray, and Nyla's like, rookies don't get them. But as Nyla says, if anyone deserves it, it's Selena, which, yes, she does. But also, she can come back now because I miss her. I miss <laughs> her very much, like, so much. So John tells her about Bailey's friend and we'll get to that later. Like it was a little side storyline. Um, and then skip Teresa Randy calls and John is just like, decline it. Don't answer it. Decline the call. And Nyla answers, but asking him if it's another butt dial, like she's not even like, Hey, how's it going? Nothing. And he's like, I would never butt dial you. And instead he asks her hypothetically when trespassing is a crime. And she's just straight to the point. She's like, it always is. Like, what? Yeah. No, 
please tell me you're not trespassing. And Randy adds in that he's trying to help someone. And he's just like, I would never trespass and hangs up. And Nyla's like, I hope to never find out what that was about. (laughs) And so John then like asks Nyla for a surefire hangover remedy. And she's just like pickle juice. And that's it. Like that's all she gets out before her phone rings from with another call from Randy. And she just doesn't even answer with a hello or anything. She's just like, what now? Like, what are you calling me about? And Randy's like, hypothetically, if a person did end up trespassing and found a dead body, a murdered body, actually. And Nyla's just like, do not touch the body. And he goes, this is where I just like started like laughing my butt off. He goes to get up. He slips falling in the pool of blood. He's got like his, from his hand to his forearm, like covered in blood. And he asks her what to do if like he fell in the blood, but then the police bust in. So they meet up with Randy and the detective who's like booking him and Nyla wants the case, but the detective's like, this was the easiest case ever. Easy solve. Like, no, I'm taking care of it. And Nyla and John are just like, well, he didn't do it. They, we had been communicating with him like all day. It was just a case of wrong place, wrong time. And so Nyla's like, in exchange, I'll take something else off of your plate. Like another case that's been giving you grief. And so he tells her about no ho doe, which is basically a torso that was found in a vacant lot with no definitive cause of death, no witnesses, and no way to ID the body. So that's a tough case. So the detective like agrees to everything and gives them Randy's case along with no ho doe. And Nyla and John just want to know all the details uh, that Randy knows. And then Monica comes in and stops Randy from sharing. Apparently like, he's why? her client why like when john was like she's your lawyer i was yeah. like same yeah i was like really out of all the lawyers in la really yeah um but it turns out that he helped her track down a few hard to locate witnesses which i'm sure were related to elijah stone because why wouldn't they be hmm. i mean maybe we don't totally know like the full extent for what she did for Elijah, but um, so Nyla tells her that they're treating Randy as a witness in this case, like they just want to know what he knows. And Monica's like, Great, but I have to be present while you question him. Nyla's not happy because remember her last interaction, she was like, You stay out of my way. So everyone's in the interrogation room. Randy shares that he met the woman who hired him in a bar, he gives them the name Emily Johnson, and it Turns out that she told him she was being stalked by Nelson Frisk and asked if he would scare the bejesus out of Nelson, as Randy says. And he was like, I don't know who this bejesus is. And that that's what got me. I was I was I gone mean, after that point. Wasn't he like, isn't he like in the sequel or something? I'm like, <laughs> oh, Randy. Yep. Oh, Randy. Yep. So he like showed up at Nelson's house. Turns out Nelson was already dead. And so we find out more about him. Turns out he's a day trader with the side hobby of being an internet troll. And so they get confirmation that he can send, uh, that Randy can send them Emily's phone number. And so Nyla's like, great, go home and stay out of trouble. Randy obviously wants to join them. Um, And Monica is on Nyla and John's side, which I kind of found surprising. And then I was like, but they're not actually treating him as a suspect. So, you know, she has nothing to be annoyed with them about. So Nyla tells John that the number Randy gave 
them for Emily was a fake and basically her name could be a fake too. And so she wouldn't have wanted them to track them down like through her online communications. So the question remains like why involve Randy and Nyla's just like, it could be to create reasonable doubt and like frame him. So Randy calls again, this dude's not at home. Instead, he's kneeling down by a dead woman and the police arrive again. And he just tells Nyla and John, he's like, I'll see you guys at the station. Mm-hmm. And so then Randy's just trying to help find the real killer. John emphasizes that if he finds a lead, all he has to do is text them. And they know that Emily's real name is Ariel Riser, and the uniforms found like $5,000 in cash on her property. So it is looking like someone paid her to frame Randy. But the question is, why him? And was he just a patsy or does the killer like have anything against Randy? So Randy's like, great, I'll get a list and start looking through Nelson's social media. But again, everyone's just like, no, you stay home. And so later in the episode like nyla can't find the connection between nelson and randy and nolan can't either so nolan's like i did make a list of everyone nelson was trolling and finds an accountant uh named brian at the top of the list and so turns out that nelson like hacked brian's deceased wife's clip talk and like sent taunting messages but he's got an airtight alibi so the next on the list is the chef in venice and the gym owner in hollywood and like no one has to walk away because he like smoothie came up to him or whatever and so wesley ends up confronting nyla and just asks why they haven't arrested randy yet because he's been found at two scene two murder scenes and wesley's like the da is just you know like it looks like it makes it look like nyla took the case to help a friend and Nyla's comeback is hilarious. Like, this woman is a whole mood throughout this entire episode. Like, not even just with the John stuff, but when she was talking with Lucy and everything. And so Wesley tells her that if they don't make some headway on a new suspect, like, the DA is going to go over Nyla's head. So Randy calls John and turns out that he found a killer and he's in the trunk of his car. So randy like combed through nelson's social accounts and like came to the same conclusion as john and brian is the prime suspect except for the airtight alibi that he has but obviously randy didn't know that at the time so like he went to brian's house to gather evidence and then ended up hiding in the trunk of the car so they find the car like flip on the lights pull him over for quote-unquote swerving over the double yellow line and nyla's just like have you been drinking he hasn't but she gets him out of the car um all while nolan like gets randy out of the trunk and when they're in the clear nyla just like lets this guy go and the dude is like so confused um so when they're like in the clear and the guy drives away randy's like cool like you know this was such a thrill and he's like so am i going home now and nyla's like no because you cannot stay out of trouble clearly so you're gonna stay with us and randy then like this entire moment was a whole like just mean randy's like cool when will i be issue the safety weapon and john just face palms and he's like oh my god no like this is not happening right now okay. so nyla and john are then talking about randy's venn diagram randy like walks over to them he's just kind of like irritated a little bit because he's just bored and everything and so he gets a text from his friend cooper logue who owns the who owns jim and it turns out that it's the guy that Nelson docks for sexing his employees. So he texts Randy the skull symbol, like, which is just the symbol for death. And 
he texts him multiple times he's like threatening him and randy's like oh no like we play pickleball this is normal like i crush him in all the games or whatever and nyla and john are just like looking at each other and they're like this is not this is not what he thinks it is so and randy catches on cooper is the killer and randy's like i know where we can find them but they end up they don't have any hard evidence so randy's like well make me the decoy doc like i'll get his juices going and john's like no just be yourself like that'll get him to like kind of incriminate himself so they go to the pickleball court and randy's ready he's walking out in his short shorts that part got me i was like what is going on and cooper ends up getting him in the chokehold they arrest him and then at the end of the episode, we see Randy in the hospital with his arm in a sling. And Nyla and John tell him to stop taking jobs that will put him in danger. And he's just like, he starts to like kind of get one over on them. He's like, oh, but first, like, I've got this case. And they're like, really? And Randy's like, no, I'm just kidding. Like, nobody, you know, I'll keep out of the trouble. Um, and he's just so chaotic. Like, I do hope that we get to see him again. But... Yeah, I don't know. He just brings the chaos with him, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was kind of it for the Skip Tracer Randy stuff. I mean, not much. It was like the second big storyline, though, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but next we have Chenford because, I mean, really, they were like the star of the show at this point (laughs) in this episode, so. Um. And these uh, these pictures, again, dropped the day of. And we were all collectively losing it. And then we were like, wait a minute. There's more to come in the episode. So Chenford is making breakfast together in the beginning of the episode. And they're being all cute, kissing, and tomorrow walks in. And I'm just like, girl, I love you. But stop interrupting Chenford kissing time, please. I think it's funny. Like, it I don't is. even mind. I just think it's funny. It is funny. It definitely is. Do it. Oh. Um, but yeah, so then Tim's face is tomorrow, like pulls them away from each other is a whole mood. Like every single time. He's just like, really? What what is happening right now? Um, and I also have a question. Where's Kojo? Because if Tim is basically living at Lucy's now, I mean he still has his house, obviously, and Kojo's probably there. But, like, is Tim going back home to visit him? Is there a dog sitter? Does Jenny and the kids have him? Like, where is this dog? And why is he not there? Yep. I mean, we saw that Lucy could have the dog at her apartment because she had him there first. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I need to know. Also, Tim making, like, the salmon and eggs for the dog and then pancakes for Lucy and, like, Lucy and then tomorrow coming out. Whole whole dad move right there <laughs> dad move so then tomorrow was like yeah i was gonna sleep in but i smelled the pancakes and that woke me up and also whole mood because like i do the same so when tomorrow asks if she wants pancakes like he knocks on the counter again whole dad move lucy's just watching him like all happy and everything and whole life move right there i mean they were just like found family goals right there and so the doorbell rings and Tim's face is hilarious because he's just like, oh man, like he totally forgot that Isabel was coming over. And so he didn't tell Lucy. And so she handles him telling her last minute, like really well. I mean, what was she going to do? Like say, no, she can't come in. Like at that point, she's already there. I mean, she could have, it's her 
dang apartment for crying she out could. loud. But it's Lucy, you know. She, yeah. She just kind of goes with the flow. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I meant to tell you, like, after he got out of the shower, but then I got in and things went, you know, places. And I was just like, Chenford did things in the morning <laughs> in a certain spot confirmed. Like, that's all. That's all that I needed to know. At this point, I was like, oh, we're really not surviving this episode, are we? Like, we're <laughs> really not. But then tomorrow, like, breaks them up again and answers the door. And she's like, you must be Isabel. Um, and so Isabel, like, shares that she's been sober for a few years. Tim and her, like, go to sit on the couch. Tamara asks Lucy if that's the Isabel. And we saw, like, the sneak peek. Um, and Lucy mm-hmm. just, like, quiets her down. And Tamara's like, gotta go. Gotta go do some research. And so Tim asks Isabel if everything's fine. She's like, yeah, I'm okay, but I just need your help. And so she starts to explain the situation to him working the uc assignment like she knows all about the family that she was infiltrating or he does he knows and so she mentions that 10 year old daughter dara and she you know kind of took her under the wing under her wing and so isabel's like after we arrested the dad i left and scattered to like leave that identity behind and not get made and so just kind of went on to the next case like i didn't hear from her in eight years and then it was forwarded a message from her and she's like, Isabel's like, I figured Dara just didn't know who else to call, but, you know, figured she'd reach out. So we hear the voicemail and she's like, you know, Dara's kind of like freaked out. We hear tires screeching and Isabel's like, I've done everything I can so far, like going, you know, through her socials and everything, but like can't go knocking on doors because of my cover. And so Tim suggests like her going to the station, they'll get a warrant for the phone and they're going to find her. So Isabel like tells Tim that it's weird to, you know, be back at the station. Tim recognizes her that like reminds her that it's, but it's under better circumstances. Smitty, of course, like this is one of the few times that we had seen Smitty in this episode. He welcomes Tim back and recognizes Isabel. And she's like, you're back. Like, why'd you leave or whatever? And I guess I didn't really realize that Isabel worked at that station too. Well. But like Angela and Talia knew about her. But I mean, even then Tim could have just told them. Yeah. I don't know though. Cause like she had said different, like I'm remembering the season one episode when Lucy first met her, she had said, you know, different divisions. They were on separate shifts. Mm -hmm. um and they tried to sync up as much i mean well i guess it still could be the same station i guess i guess i just don't really realize how many divisions yeah out of one place yeah yeah i don't know i was just kind of like wait she did work in that same station okay um so isabel like questions to leave he tells her about the shooting he even tells her that lucy thinks that he should be meditating they laugh and everything and i saw some people talk about this online and like I honestly think that it was innocent. Like, I don't think they were making fun of her. Yeah, no, I didn't really either. I People had opinions, though, my goodness. Uh Uh-huh. Which is totally fine. I mean, I I can kind of understand how they could see that. I just, I personally just thought it was more like they were laughing because at the thought of Tim meditating not that it was lucy's idea but just at the thought of tim 
you know, not that he's right. um, a, you know, an impulsive person by any means, but he's also not very calm or mm-hmm. one to do relaxing uh, activities. And like, Isabel doesn't know who he is now. Like, he's definitely right. made a 180 from his, like, from the first season. And she knows him from the first season and before that. You know, it's like kind of like a hard ass and everything. Um, and Lucy has seen him kind of like, like soften his shell a little bit too. So, I mean, they're kind of seeing like different Tim. So I could see why she was like laughing at that thinking, really? Like this guy was a hard ass before. Like, and he probably still is like him meditating would be silly, but yeah, I don't think it was like anything that serious. So, so then we see Nyla like walking up seeing Tim and Isabel and like she sits down at Lucy's desk and Lucy asks if she's ever worked with Isabel and I was like nope I've heard of her but never worked with her and so Nyla's just like are you okay with her being back and Lucy's like yeah like it's fine no big deal Tamara then comes up spills all the details of what she's found and Nyla's reactions the entire time are great like this woman doesn't even have to say anything all she has to do is like react to things and i'm just like this is this is everything that we need um and so lucy still insists that she's fine like everything's fine and tim's interviewing dara's uncle ed and lucy and isabella are you know watching from the viewing room and she tells lucy that like she never liked him and he used to talk directly to her chest but she didn't do anything like you know because she needed her to like him to like keep you know like keep her cover and so ed's just like i haven't seen dara since the day before and he asks what friend it was that gave him the information and ed doesn't know of any place that dara would like to hang out at and so he thinks this is just some excuse to jam him up but tim's like no it's just a welfare check Tim then brings up Dara's dad and him getting out of prison, asking what his relationship with Dara is like. It's like there is none. They're excited about having him back. And Tim circles back to his to his business, asking if there's any chance that they could be connected to Dara's appearance, disappearance. And Ed's just like, she could just be sleeping one off at a friend's house. Like he totally tries to like shy away from saying anything about Dara and like um so tim gives ed his card just in case like he hears from dara and isabel then suggests talking suggests to tim talking to frank who's dara's dad like and see if it's all one big happy family like ed says so they're then sitting in the roll call room she's asking him about lucy and like he's flipping the script too she asks him how long they've been together um and then he's just like well are you seeing anyone she's like yeah on and off though um but you know you set the bar really high so then like frank facetimes with tim and he didn't know about his daughter being missing and he's not really in contact with dara um but you know he asks if tim talked to ed but tim's like i didn't know anything either so frank's like i don't know where dara would go when she was when she's upset but you know questions like who would go after her tim points out though that like he he's made a lot of enemies and it could be someone trying to get to frank through dara and frank's just like just find her so isabel questions like how long um it is until frank makes the call to ed and tim just tim's then radioed like right away 
and they've got a tap on the call. So, you know, Ed's trying to talk him down, but Frank is not happy. And so Isabel's like, Ed's a professional liar. Like he might not know where Dara is, but he can lie easily too. And so apparently he once had Frank convinced that someone had greenlit a hit on him. And Isabel instantly thinks about the hotel and brings that up that when Frank thought he was greenlit, he told Isabel to take Dara somewhere safe while he dealt with it. And so they stayed in a motel by the beach and she could possibly be there. And so we like cut over to see Tim and Isabel kind of staking out this motel. She's giving him more context on on their time there, you know, eating junk food, swimming in the ocean, et cetera. They do talk about their marriage and like where it went wrong. Um, but you know, Tim's like, well, if that escape is why Dara would be here, like, you know, he asks if that's why she would be there. And Isabel's like, I'm not sure, like I could be projecting, but this is worth a try. And Tim tells her that like, she'll need backup because she's not an active cop or whatever. And so Lucy's on her way. And Isabel, this is kind of where, like, I don't know, I wasn't shocked, but I was kind of like, I'm glad that someone said it. Um, and Isabel's like, I can't believe that after everything I put you through, like you're dating another UC. And he had the right reaction at this point, I felt like, because he was like, yeah, but Lucy's different. Like, you know, I can't believe it either, but Lucy's different. So Lucy walks up to the car, tells Tim tells Isabel to be careful. She, you know, she's like, you're always the protector or whatever. Um, and so it's nice to see that that has been a trait that has stuck with Tim, like, through everything even before the rookie started so lucy's wired up receivers in the car um and they go through lucy's backstory that they can use and like say where they met um and so lucy tells isabel that she was hoping to pick her brain a little bit and they have like a cute like friend girlfriends moment there um with isabel like shushing her and reminding her about the mic and because tim's listening (laughs) and all of a sudden the mic cuts out and isabel's like you want to know all my cheat codes for dating Tim. And Lucy laughs and she's like, no, I got them all figured out. I actually just wanted to know about your time undercover. And Lucy's a little starstruck. I mean, as Lucy Chen is, and you know, she's like, I just want to know like if undercover work was worth it. And Isabel's like, I can't answer that, but I can tell that you have much healthier coping mechanisms. And so she does tell Lucy some things that will like, some things will weigh on her and like, there are some sacrifices that she has to make, but um, it's not all bad. So Lucy and Isabel like, get a call from Tim, who's asking about the wire issue. They get it, they get it fixed and everything. They see D- Dara and Lucy is just like, babe, we gotta go. And I didn't catch the babe at first. I saw it like all over Twitter, but I did not catch it. So they go up to the hotel room. Dara's kind of surprised to see. Isabel slash Nikki there and she didn't think she would actually show up and so she's obviously wondering who Lucy is and Dara's like how do you know each other Lucy uh who is Amber undercover mentions the chit and the sit and chow chilla so Dara's like upset that Nikki left mentions that everyone else gets to leave and she gets left behind turns out that the old that she called the old number because her dad's getting out and the night before she heard her uncle talking about taking him out so tim like obviously hears that calls gray lets him know what they just found out and then also tells them that they'll need backup because four shooters just arrived 
Obviously, calls Lucy, gives her a heads up. They start going over their game plan. Isabel needs a weapon. So Lucy gives her the backup piece. Dara's freaking out because she's like, what is going on? Who are you guys? Who is Tim? And Isabel blows her cover. And Lucy's face, like, I don't know if it was very much of a, like, what the heck are you doing? Or very, like, or you're doing the right thing. Because it was kind of like in between of like, really, you're doing this. But also, like, this isn't really the time. Um, and so Dara feels betrayed. And so Dara starts running out. The shooters start firing. A whole shootout occurs. Tim, and, Tim, Isabel, and Lucy are all like taking these guys down. And so at the end of the episode, Tim and Isabel are talking about Dara. They hope that she's going to be okay. Lucy comes to tell them that Ed Tesco was found dead in an alley. So, um, so Isabel's like, I'll go tell Dara, like, and it's like so when she's talking to her she's like it's vital that you don't tell anyone that i'm a cop because they can put both of us in danger and so they have a sweet moment where isabel like tells her that she was looking out for her and taking care of herself too um and she tells zara about the, the uncle and dara's relieved she's like you know i tried to kill me but isabel's like i'm pretty sure that the police think that your dad actually ordered the hit and so Dara's not going to be there when he walks out. She's going to disappear for a while, figure out what her life will be. And I don't know. I made this connection on my second watch, but I was like, Dara's kind of like Tamara, but for Isabel, like in a way, like she's kind of the puppy that Lucy got with Tamara, right? Like she kind of took her under her wing. I mean, it was obviously a yeah. different scenario too, but. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I guess I just didn't really think of it. I don't, I mean, I was kind of, she kind of reminded me of the one girl that had a crush on Nolan, the one, like, CI person that I can't think of her name from, like, season two, I guess. I can't think of the name, but. The girl that had the crush on Nolan. Yeah. Was it in the first half of the season or second? First. I feel like yeah, I remember that, but yeah, I don't remember the name. But um, I don't know, but that's just off the top of my head. I didn't really... The actress did look familiar. I didn't, I didn't think about that connection, but... Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was kind of like a loose connection, but I was like, oh, she's kind of like... You know, I mean, Isabel took her under her wing. Lucy's taken tomorrow under her wing. Like, they're kind of like... I don't know. Like younger siblings or something in a way um it's a very loose connection not very well thought out but i kind of like drew the parallel so like chenford gets home after a long shift they sit on the couch it's all cute you know they talk about her undercover work and lucy's just like you know it was nice to get to know isabel and tim just wonders like if that's what they were doing when the mic was turned off and lucy's like no we were talking bad about you and uh, Lucy shares that she loves working undercover, but has never went as deep as Isabel has, obviously. And Tim's just, Tim thinks she's worried about it and that she won't be able to handle it. But she's actually worried about that he won't be able to handle it. And he's just like, I'll be fine. Like, you know, do your thing. And so they cuddle on the couch and it's literally everything that we've always wanted. Like people were saying that it was straight out of a fanfic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I yeah. was like, it really is. So, mm -hmm. yeah. But that's about it for the Chunford stuff. I mean, I'm assuming Eric has said in cameos before that, like, we're going to see angst for them. 
in these yeah. last few episodes. And with her going undercover next week, I'm sure there's way more angst to come. Mm-hmm. So, heck, maybe even in the final episode of the season, like who knows? So, mm-hmm. um, lots of people yeah. are hoping for the, um, you know, I love you. Three, yeah, the three words that everyone wants them to say. Yeah. But. Yeah, I kind of thought so too. Well, I was like, Tim had sat down first, and then like looked back at her, and I was like, something big is coming it feels like but i mean that was still big that came but yeah so next we have angela um she just had like a little bit of a storyline it was honestly just to like kind of send her off um but angela's at her desk trying to pick up a pen that she dropped and she can't get it so she's like the pen lives on the floor now which whole mood (laughs) that got me like a as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, they're going to do something great with uh-huh. <laughs> with her. Yeah. So Greg comes up, he grabs it. He's like, you know, you can start your maternity leave at any time, which I feel like he kind of said the same thing to Nyla. Or maybe mm-hmm. it was Angela before, like for her mm-hmm. first pregnancy. But maybe. I also just love that they carry out the pregnancies on this show. Mm-hmm. And they, like, work it into the storyline. They don't, like, hide them behind files. And they're like, oh, why is she, like, holding all these files? Why is she behind these desks or whatever? Um, But Angela's like, there's too many open cases right now. Like, I'll start in a couple of weeks. And so he asks if she's sure she's okay. And she just starts telling him everything that's, quote, unquote, wrong. Like, her bathroom breaks, her pain, the lack of sleep. Um, and so Aaron's like walking by just minding his own business and Greg calls him over and makes him Angela's personal aid until further notice. I did not know that I needed this duo like on their own until I had it. And I was like, this is everything. Mm-hmm. More of this, please. So Angela thanks or Aaron thanks him and, you know, Gray's like practically running away and it's just like, don't thank me yet. And so Aaron's like sunshiny about helping and Angela's like first thing is antacids she needs more after having like almost a whole bottle since she got into work and Aaron's just like he keeps trying to speed facts and you know all Angela has to do is just give him a look and he's getting more antacids and so then he asks if she needs anything else and at first her answer is no and then she's like I need some canned meat and Aaron's like will that help with the indigestion and she's like she gives him another look and he's just like on it and she's like get a cherry soda too and he's on that so they're like walking around the station later in the episode they've got the interdepartmental meeting next and she's been looking forward to it all morning because it has comfy chairs and donuts which yes queen and when Aaron's like well you could just buy yourself donuts she tells him that free donuts always taste better that they do like mm-hmm. again whole mood whole yep. mood um and so the meeting has been moved upstairs and they have to take the steps obviously they get up there but then as i was watching on the second go i'm like well they have an elevator in there so why not just take that yeah that's what i was gonna say i was like dang why not use the elevator guys? but they just wanted the steps like is a funny storyline or whatever or like a funny like bump in the road and so Angela's like attempting to go up these steps and at first I was like she's milking this like because she knows that she can get Aaron to do anything but then I'm watching her go up these steps I was like no she's not totally milking this um and so Aaron's just like 
how about I grab you a donut and FaceTime you during the meeting since you can't make it up the steps? And Angela's like, great. So then later they're walking down the hall. He's breaking her on this guy that like they're, she's about to interrogate. And he was suspected of attacking his boss with a bat. And so they need a confession. Angela's the woman for the job, clearly. And so this guy claims that he didn't do anything. Angela then gets up. It's a whole like montage of her like talking to him, getting up for the bathroom, getting a cherry soda, food, like even almost falling asleep. And Aaron just suggests like even calling someone else to take over. And Angela's like, I got him right where I want him. And so right as she's getting up to go to the bathroom, like for the umpteenth time, he confesses and he's just like, I just want out of this room. Like I did it. Just get me out of here. And so she's like, great, I'll go and get the papers now for, to get your statement. And Aaron just calls over the like intercom and he's like, how about I get them? So Angela like sits back down, pulls out beef jerky stick. And she's just like (laughs) looking at him. And she's like, this woman is a true queen. Like, can I be her when I grow up? (laughs) So at the end of the episode, Gray is waiting for Angela outside the elevator, like arms crossed, like, his kind of stern face and he's there to escort her to the car and she's like yeah i just want to finish up some paperwork and gray's like no you're going home you're gonna stay home and i don't want to see you back here until you've had that baby he he told nyla that like something similar to that um because she's like went to the station and like her pjs or something (laughs) last season Mm -hmm. so he tells her to like let wesley dote on her which she deserves it and also i want to see that I want to see Wesley just, like, giving her, like, everything. Um, And so before she leaves, she's like, I got to go to the bathroom and get another snack. And Gray, this might be the best one-liner of all time. And just the way that he said it, he was like, you live five minutes away. Like, you can't wait? It was so good. It was so funny. So, yeah, that was kind of the Angela stuff. And then we have the Bailey stuff, which wasn't much. And honestly i mean i love bailey but Mm -hmm. honestly i feel like we could have done without the storyline like it did not add anything to this episode at all i just didn't understand well and i definitely didn't understand the end of it (laughs) either but yeah i was like we just didn't really need this i don't know i feel like they've done this a few times with bailey where they're just kind of like throwing her in to the episode Mm -hmm. like for the sake of it I think yeah. probably because Jenna's a regular or whatever, but it's like she doesn't need to be in every single episode. Bailey, you know, not Jenna. Like, I would love to have Jenna in every episode, but Bailey doesn't need to have a specific storyline. Like, why can't we just have her in like we had Wesley, where he just like came in, said the one thing, and like dipped? You know, I mean, we don't need to have her in every single episode, like having a storyline, but I digress. So, John wakes up to find Bailey in the bathroom not doing so well. At first, when I saw that, I thought something completely different than like she was hungover. I don't know why, but I did. I was like, I don't know oh, about like that. The huh? other reason, like another reason for getting sick, you mean? Yeah. Like I thought yeah. she was like pregnant or something. And I was like, no, no. No, I don't see that. But I don't know. That was just like where my first thought was. I mean, honestly, yeah. Same. Yeah. I wasn't expecting the hangover. Yeah. (laughs) So. 
So then Bailey was like out the previous night drinking her friends in town and her friend like wants to party it out because, you know, she's got kids at home and, you know, she's like living her best single life, um, quote unquote. And so like it's every night that they're going out, Bailey's just like, I just don't think that I can keep doing it. And she tells John what they're supposed to do later that night. And John's like, well, just tell her that you don't want to go. And Bailey's like, I can't. So it turns out that Libby is staying with them. She comes into the bathroom. She asks if she's ready for a run. And Bailey's like, yeah, let me just like take care of something, like put on some clothes. And because she was in the clothes from the night before. And so we never see this run. But John's like, you look like you are in no shape to run. And Bailey's like, just hold my hair back. And so (laughs) then like. It was like towards the middle to the end of the episode, we see Bailey and her friend at a coffee cart that has a liquor license. And I'm like, isn't it 10 a.m.? Like, why are there? No. <laughs> um, and so Libby is meeting up with this guy that she's like been chatting with online. Apparently, her and her husband are not like doing well. So Bailey agrees to this and is staying with her, um, only because she doesn't want to like be on the hook for anything bad. And so Libby wants margaritas and yeah, I'm just like, it's, it's a coffee cart. Like, no, get some coffee. So like Smithy then comes over to Nyla and John, like in the middle of the episode and he tells them that Bailey's there and John's like, oh, she's in reception. And John and Smithy's like, no, she's in holding. Like she was brought in for being drunk in public. And so John like enters a holding cell and Bailey explains what happens what happened and the guy that Libby met up with turned out to be a creep she started throwing fists and like ran when the cop showed up so I'm assuming that Bailey like I don't know just was kind of like just helping her or something they never yeah, really explained like, it but I was like for it. yeah yeah um and so then John's phone rings Randy's calling like you know kind of goes back to the Randy storyline and at the end of the episode, Libby's leaving early and wants to talk to Bailey, but like doesn't know how. And she thinks that Bailey might have a drinking problem. And Bailey just suggests taking the next year off from their like get togethers. And once she leaves, Bailey grabs a glass and the bottle of wine and just like has a drink. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, what is the storyline? Like, why, why are we doing this? I mean, that's where I was like, I just like threw my hands up. I was like, what? Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Libby thinks Bailey has the problem. No, and like Libby was like, I don't know how you're managing with all of your different jobs, and I'm just like, so was this just another way to bring up like all the different jobs that she has? Like, I, yeah, I just don't, I don't know. know. I mean, Bailey was a whole mood drinking straight from the bottle before pouring mm-hmm. the giant glass, but I just didn't. I didn't understand. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, I don't know if this whole storyline was really needed. Like, John had a storyline that, like, served him. We didn't need to see him, like, with Bailey. I don't know. It was just odd. Um, And it it felt like it wasn't going to lead us anywhere into, like, the next few episodes. So I was like, again, like, I could see if it was leading us to something, but it -hmm. wasn't. So, I mean, all it really told us was that Bailey loves wine, which... I feel like we already knew so yeah (laughs) but yeah so that was about it for the episode I mean it was a long one but yeah we had a lot going on so um we do have some listener thoughts so do you want to start us off with the first one uh sure so Mindy had said 
It was such a good episode. Angela's pregnancy complaints were so relatable, and Aaron was a sweetheart. Uh, Mindy loved seeing this other side of Isabel and how much she cared about uh, Dara. And she said Randy was easier to handle in this episode than his previous one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, see, it's been so long. Yeah, <laughs> I can barely all I all I can remember is just the fact that he hid in the coffin the first episode mm-hmm. and then he hid in the trunk. So whenever he gets freaked out, he goes and hides in the most <laughs> unusual, unhelpful places. We need to do like an episode recap of Randy's episodes. Like, watch them both again and just, like, <laughs> highlight his most chaotic moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, shout out to Flula Borg, who plays him, because <laughs> I feel like no one else could do Skip Teresa Randy justice. So, no. yeah. It's amazing. Um, Joyce Lynn had said the rookie was funny last night with Randy and Lopez's pregnancy. The rookie feds was very intense. And I think that was one of the best episodes of one of the best season one episodes of feds. Yeah, definitely. We'll get into feds in a minute, but yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, L who's, um, at Lou Brooke 22, uh, said loved the Chenford scenes and, domestic slash family opener but also all the character duos in this episode lucy and isabel angela and aaron angela and gray nyla and lucy nyla and nolan samara and nyla uh all the actors knocked both the comedy and drama out of the park with this episode yeah there were a lot of character like duos i didn't even realize all of (laughs) them until i was listing them out yeah it was good loved it blessed turtle heads up first of all what does str stand for i've been racking my brain all day and have nothing i think it's skip tracer randy i mean that's the only thing i can think of that's the only Uh, thing that makes sense (laughs) yeah because like sometimes they'll say it or i noticed feds at least says that a little bit more in the episode Mm -hmm. but like sometimes they'll say the episode title like in the episode they'll work into the dialogue but Mm -hmm. they didn't for this one so i mean i would assume it would just be skip trace randy and so they also said the return of randy was everything i hoped for it was hilarious also i loved the little subversion from the writers making us think that the storyline was going to be some compelling like whodunit only for it to end up being a simple revenge plot absolutely mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. nolan and harper together in this episode really made me miss their season three dynamic those two are always a comedy gold mine together that they are and we need more of them mm-hmm. please um, and so they also said Thorson and Angela were an unsurprisingly great duo together. And that entire scene of Lopez getting the confession using her pregnancy had me in stitches. And they said, finally, there's Shunford. Their cute little pseudo family opening scene with Tamara aside. I'm glad they finally got the ball rolling on addressing the cost that Lucy's UC work is going to have on their relationship. It's a miasma that that's been hanging over them for a while and what a better way to begin addressing that than tim's ex-wife i love it she did not sugarcoat the realities of this line of work to lucy and i love her for that to me that means she's rooting for them by giving lucy as much info and advice as possible to help her avoid hurting tim the way she did at least that's my interpretation they also said tomorrow was a damn treasure in this episode being the little chaos demon that she is and i love her so much for it 
that. We need more of Tamara, please. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that she's busy with her music, which like her latest song is amazing. But <laughs> um, and then they also said overall this great this was a great episode. Solid eight out of ten. My only criticism is of Bailey's storyline, which was unnecessary in their opinion yeah i don't disagree so i mean <laughs> the episode was like a 10 out of 10 personally but yeah i mean that bailey storyline did just seem like unnecessary it didn't go anywhere so yeah yeah uh and janine had said uh she uh understood isabel coming to tim for help but she didn't exactly like tim sharing personal info about lucy with isabel um, especially with the meditation uh, reaction. And Janine had said uh, for Isabel to say that Tim raised the bar too high uh, for her to be happy, she's not sure if that's, you know, exactly the best thing to um, say, to like put someone on a pedestal and then compare them mm-hmm. to your past which is i just thought it was interesting that she said that um and janine said uh she thought it was bold of isabel to assume um the reason lucy wanted to talk uh with her was about uh cheat codes for dating tim yeah that's true although i liked lucy's response of like oh no i've got tim figured out like that kind of i thought solidified their how their relationship is different yes um anyway um but janine also said the proof is at the end of the episode when she told uh him that she loves uc but she's more worried about him while she goes under than uh herself and so uh janine said that you could see that tim loves lucy but he's worried about her uh and uh janine said she loves tomorrow but let chenford have their kiss moment um and she wishes um that maybe tomorrow would go to school to become a cop because she thinks she could be a very good detective in the future i've seen other people say that too or just say like detective tomorrow collins incoming you know with all her like sleuthing about what isabel's been up to Mm -hmm. i mean i would think like with her being around lucy and like the other cops and stuff that she would kind of think like oh maybe I should like look into this as a profession but mm-hmm. I don't know yeah be interesting I would love to see Tamara and Elena like hang out and kind of like yeah. talk and see cool. you know I mean their friendship would be great I don't know I feel like the rookie and like the feds teams have to be like running into each other more they're both in LA but they're kind of like on different playing fields, right? So yeah. maybe they aren't. But like, are they running into each other at like the grocery store? Like, I mean, at least Brendan like Lucy, and, Lucy. and Brendan, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they had to keep up their sort of friendship, yeah, sort of you know Lucy fangirls over him, which mm-hmm. can't blame her there. Um, yeah, and like Simone and John are probably like running into each other, being yeah. besties. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, sorry, Janine, we got a little sidetracked. Um, she also loves Angela and she was great. And Aaron looking out for her, uh, and his facial expressions during their scenes were priceless. 
and Skip Tracer Randy is a favorite of hers. Uh, and she Janine swears that if something's going to go wrong while they're investigating, Randy will sure be in the center of it. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Agree. And uh, she loved how John literally called Nyla out saying, don't answer the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nyla was a badass. And that was the one of the best parts of the episodes. And uh, Janine could have, however, done without the Bailey uh, side storyline. Yeah. Yeah. So those yeah, are all that's... the listener thoughts for the rookie. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it for the rookies so we could move on to the rookie feds unless we have any more notes i mean i don't think so other than chumford's adorable and we're giving the season six so mm-hmm. yeah that and like the breakfast scene really made me want pancakes like pancakes were mentioned yes. donuts were mentioned i was like now i just want breakfast food <laughs> at like you know yeah eight o'clock at night <laughs> yeah <fine>. yep. <laughs> um I yeah like pancakes mm-hmm. I want those now yeah. but yeah so yeah um so for the rookie feds um it was titled I am I am many which was definitely uh you could tell why it was titled that because it was said throughout the entire episode mm-hmm. um and we'll start off with uh the uh inmate on death row and the sort of cult that he led um and it the whole like the i guess beginning part prior to the title card was um you know having foster mills who's the inmate that's scheduled to be executed um he's reciting his you know own deviant views of scripture and sayings and everything um and while this is happening, a drone is buzzing around a San Francisco office building and it's releasing a poisonous gas and it um, almost instantly killed uh, six people. And so um, his execution is in 36 hours. And when like after the title card um, comes back, Garza's is already in Idaho, apparently, which is where he's located. And uh, he's ready to talk to Foster, but uh, Garza tells Simone that the jet is actually going to drop her off in Idaho as well because he needs uh, her wild card ways to keep Mills off balance. And this was part of the sneak peek that we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, I'll get into the Brendan and Antoinette stuff later. I guess I should have prefaced with Laura came in as they were talking just tell them about the terror attack and that Antoinette's also coming with them uh, yeah. to help out um and so the rest of the team uh which consists of Brendan Antoinette Laura and Carter are uh still going on route to San Francisco to investigate the drone attack and when they arrive um they want to get in there and you know kind of you know dissect the drone essentially but um they were like, no, we can't do that until the CDC, you know, decontaminates everything. But uh, Antoinette offers to go in because she has had extensive training in dealing with hazardous materials. Uh, and, you know, that that's why Garza wanted her to come um, in the first place was to see if they could figure out what kind of biological weapon uh, was used. And poor Brendan, 
being the worried boyfriend lightly. I thought that was, mm-hmm. I mean, definitely a Brendan thing. Because he was like, yeah. well, you don't have to do this. And she's like, well, you don't have to go running after, you know, gunshots, but you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, he like, he spins out a lot about like her, yeah. you know, as far as like not knowing a whole lot about her or mm-hmm. this. I'm like. Well, I think that might have been part of it, too, just especially in this episode. Because yeah. he was like, okay, I already don't know this. And now she's going to do this. And we still haven't, you know, resolved this conflict um, kind of thing. Because, like, even Laura was like, you know, you can step away. And he's like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's just, like, silently freaking out a little bit. Um, but I just thought it was cool that Antoinette got to use her, like, science skills a little bit. Um, to like help them in the field yeah yeah mm-hmm. i thought it was like total girl boss move loved that mm-hmm. um she manages to discover that while the drone itself is like a standard uh issue model there's a modification that was made to like have uh for the gas canister to be in there and that could be distinct enough to lead them to find like who bought that um, mm-hmm. or who, where it was sold from um but in the meantime, her best bet on the gas that was used um, is hydrogen cyanide. Uh, so it kind of, during this episode, it cuts back and forth between the California uh, and Idaho locations. So yeah. um, in Idaho, Simone has arrived and, um, you know, is kind of, I thought it was interesting that she was a little bit not nervous but just you know because she was telling Garza on the plane like I know what I say about you know black girl mm-hmm. magic but it has its limitations so I thought that was kind of interesting because usually she's very much like okay I got it like let's go um yeah but she does um take a you know first stab at talking uh to Foster Mills but he kind of in a way like keeps his distance at first he's very he's hesitant on sharing any of his reasons for these attacks um or well the first attack i guess um you know kind of saying that the the why or the how and the who that's you know all of that doesn't matter like at first all he wants to know is about the scene that they found in san Mm -hmm. francisco and simone's like well why don't you tell me about it you know since he's the one that kind of was the mastermind um behind it all and he's not budging and then in the meantime it um eventually cuts away again and there's another attack this time in dallas uh where four people were killed in an elevator we saw that a woman was the one that deployed the gas and then uh spray painted i am many uh Mm -hmm. across the doors um which is you know Foster's main tagline I guess for lack of a better uh term and so in light of this other attack uh the prison guards are you know tearing Mills's cell apart and trying to look for how he's communicating with his followers um because he he doesn't use the internet he's had no visitors he doesn't have right. any incoming or outgoing mail there's no phone calls like absolutely nothing mm-hmm. um and but simone does pick up the book that he's been reading about was it like capitalist america i didn't catch the full title of what they said it was like something something 
about you know how the american or totalitarian society (laughs) works Mm -hmm. um and so that kind of leads her to well her and garza um go to the prison library and see what other books foster checked out over the last year but there's no hollowed out pages or notes in the margins or anything like that which this gave me to 11 or yeah to 11 yeah flashbacks a little bit because you know they originally went that well the writing well that and then they found the writing in the one book Mm -hmm. or whatever um that they had to decipher yeah um anyway so there were no in this case no notes or anything like that um it's not until the prison librarian whose name is campbell marsh uh comes in and actually yanks a book out of simone's hands and causes it to rip uh, and he's not happy about no, it. No, he's not. Yeah, and that's when they find uh, a numerical cipher scribbled in the spines of the books. Um, and they, like, continue to rip out the uh, pages and see that there's more messages. Um, and this is how he's been communicating with his followers while he's been imprisoned. Uh, and before that, I mean, they barely take two steps towards Campbell to confront him about it and he mm-hmm. cuts his carotid artery with what I don't know um, and basically bleeds out before they can get anything more from him so that was nuts I was like that was my first like oh my god moment yeah. <laughs> I was like what <laughs> what um, yeah and so they're well the rest of the team is back at the office um and they're tracking campbell's communications and they're cross cross referencing that with the list of sales um that antoinette had gathered earlier and they come up with one matching name from that information and that's um donald james and so then we next see donald talking to the woman from dallas which okay if she had a name i don't know if they ever said it but according to the imdb page her name in the episode is brooke so for yeah the time i just know her as the mom from big time rush oh (laughs) yeah that's funny um yeah so i will be i will be referring to her um the next (laughs) few times as brooke because that's what i think they probably said her last name more than like her first name yeah um anyway so um they're talking on the phone and while he's on the phone he hears the uh police siren so he attempts to flee but brendan comes in with the tackle before he gets very far which i mean i'm like 99.9 percent sure that's where kevin's behind the scenes thing Mm -hmm. came from with the stunt double so that was fun um oh my gosh okay and then this was my second oh my god moment because while well it's brendan and laura are interrogating him carter's watching from the other side because he's with the senior agent in charge while garza's in idaho with simone um while in interrogation donald eats a piece of his eyewear causing the same kind of poison effects as the san francisco victims like foaming up mouth um and like brendan and laura are, like frantically trying to you know stop this from happening he had a quick reaction with that i was like Mm -hmm. oh my god yeah well he i mean because he broke off a piece or whatever Mm -hmm. and then like 
kept putting the glasses glasses in his mouth and I was like dude stop this is insane yeah um, but it turned out he had like cyanide in the eyewear so um there's another member that's died for this cause I just was not expecting it to be yeah. so I mean I I guess with the cult and thing mm-hmm. it is that serious of a you know warped faith that they believe in you know to follow these leaders yeah to their untimely ends but it was just interesting to see it like in a fictionalized way i guess um and so while the rest of the team continues to work on the case um matt is sending simone home because she's had one hell of a day i thought it was so freaky that like she had the nightmare about Uh foster and i was like i thought it was legit for a sec though because they made it so believable i was like now wait a minute how in the world (laughs) you know would he be in in the house I thought it was legit too. And my heart just dropped for a minute. I was like, oh my God, there's no way that this is happening right now. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, scares her awake um so much so that she decides to grab the jet and go back to Idaho to visit quote unquote the devil. Uh and I thought she I thought it was hilarious that she calls Garza after the fact and she's like so I kind of did this. Don't mm-hmm. be mad. And he's like, not going to be mad as long as she can get something else yeah. that can help them stop the body count from rising. So uh, she tells him that she's going to try to come at Mills with this, I don't know what else to call it besides like a strength approach, since she thinks that he's weak because he's basically gotten his followers to do his dirty work for him. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the approach that she's going to go in with. Um, it cuts back over again, lots of back and forth in this episode. Um, back at the office, uh, Laura, Brendan, and Carter are trying to figure out how in the world Foster's followers began to communicate with him in the first place. And a little bit earlier, we had seen uh, Laura watch an interview, like a news uh, interview with Foster. It was the only televised thing he did um while in prison and she was using it originally to try to build a profile on him but now um they're wondering if that interview could hold like key key words key phrases to help them figure out the address and or the web address and the password of the dark website that they found from donald's computer mm-hmm. uh, and so they continue to rewatch the interview and the um i think it was one john 19 if i'm wrong someone can correct me i'm i was doing this from memory after (laughs) i'd watched it um but the bible uh verse keeps coming back up so laura wonders if there's something in that to kind of break this thing open and it does but they still have to figure out the password and so after um the they tried to enter just like satan that doesn't work so carter suggests um typing it in the original greek which i'm assuming it's just like satanas like i don't know i'm saying it with like a spanish accent because i don't know greek um 
And so, but when Brendan does type it in, in that manner, uh, they, they have managed to get into the dark web page and there are apparently six other targeted attacks in major cities like Kansas City, Chicago, et cetera, uh, like set for that morning. So now they have to basically stop them all before, you know, mm-hmm. any more people get hurt. And I was like, it was like, I don't know, maybe like 40 some minutes in or something. And I was like, okay, <laughs> they got about 20 minutes yeah. in their time to wrap this up. Um so I just I didn't really understand how they were like where it was going with this um but it was kind of a montage effect in a way um because we heard Carter and Laura on their phones presumably with different FBI headquarters um and then it cut over to them they're all in the we still don't know what the heck to call the room with the giant screen and the many chairs um if we get a season two can we have an official name for that yeah, aside from like, the lecture please. room, because that's not what it is at all. It's not a lecture no. hall. Um, but that room, um, and they're kind of they're calling out when each new attack has been thwarted, and they manage to check them all off the list. So thankfully, there's a little bit to kind of celebrate there. Although I loved that moment. Yeah, that was like everyone. You could hear like the actual happiness mm-hmm. that um in people's voices, but course that doesn't last long because someone even though we see it's um brooke is uh logging in from another location and delivering a new message saying how vengeance you know is going to be sought and that message is coming underneath the banner of los angeles so um that is kind of their new uh task is to figure out what in the world that's about and who that message is targeting um and in the meantime back in idaho simone does manage to kind of i don't know make foster angry enough to spill his guts a little bit more um just enough to say that you know those who sinned will be punished those who defied him will pay no one's safe even from the grave Mm -hmm. uh and i assume that that's what it what like that that part was the extra clue that they needed to kind of um get from him because he was originally put into prison 18 years ago for disseminating anthrax um but only two of the i guess hits he put out were successful yeah for lack of a better word um and one of them was not and the one person who was uh spared from it all those years ago was uh a woman named renata schmidt and so the that two- was the mom from Big Time Rush. I got oh, it mixed up the before. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, Random, but yeah. <laughs> uh, and so the team, well, the team that's still there in California anyway, uh, track her down while she's at a spa. And here I was thinking, oh, this is good. Okay. Because, you know, Laura's on the phone with her telling her to get to the lobby, mm-hmm. you know, and like the towel trick that Brooke tried earlier didn't work. Nope, I was wrong because here the woman comes again back with like a knife or whatever, like slicing. Yep. <laughs> slicing Renata up. And I was like, holy shit. Like, what yeah. is going on? <laughs> um, 
but she manages to kind of escape into a I don't know like cordoned off um area in a stairwell um and is kind of hiding behind I don't know like a bin or something it's kind of like a under construction area um and is hiding from Brooke and Brooke's like you know two steps away from kind of getting her um but Laura gets the jump on Brooke and after a small scuffle um Brendan and Carter show up and Brooke's taken into custody so um back at the prison Simone announces to Foster that they've you know they've got Renata she's okay so all of his attacks have been thwarted and his Mm -hmm. followers just went from many to none uh and you know it's this man's execution day and he still manages to spout off his warped version of you know scripture and i love how simone though is basically like wait a minute i don't have to listen to this anymore Mm -hmm. um and so she you know gets to leave and fly back to la and so the team's kind of gathering amongst their desks and having a last convo of the day uh simone's hoping the cult dies with foster because he's officially been um put to death and um carter wonders if he'll be kind of seen as a martyr who you know kind of died for the cause um and laura adds that in her experience profiling cult leaders the movement kind of fizzles out when the leader dies and the remaining people usually go on about their lives so hopefully that's the case yeah um with that but that was kind of it for the uh, Foster Mills storyline. And then we had a couple side storylines with relationships, which were good. They added a little bit of levity in with all the with all the deaths yeah. that's happening um, in that last storyline. So um, we'll first start off with Petty and Ruth um, slash Simone and Dina. And this so, was funny. This was a good storyline. It was so funny. Um, so after the title card, the episode shows uh, Cuddy attempting to sneak back into his own house, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, this is your house. Like, why are you trying to be, yeah. you know, all whisper and tiptoe and all this stuff? But like, And it's not like Simone's, like, 14. Like, she knows yeah. what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like you do you, like that's fine. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he's attempting to sneak back in after his night out with Ruth. Uh, and Simone does catch him. He's like, Go on, do the walk of shame, that's fine. Um, I thought that was a funny moment for them. Uh apparently things between Cuddy and Ruth are getting pretty serious, and he mentions that they may end up moving in together. And Simone's happy for them, but wonders if that means she will see Dina more often, which given how things ended between them that could be awkward um and then Dina's actually the one that calls Simone when she's well when she's first on scene at the prison um and mentions this like dinner get together thing but Simone's like I'm out of town and can't Mm -hmm. exactly make it uh and Dina's kind of like, oh, of course, like a no- kind of, you know, like a oh, another excuse, even though it's like yeah. legit because of her job. I'm like, what else right. is she supposed to say? Like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't make it. I'm at this prison. Like, no, you yeah. know, like she's trying to keep it light. I think. Um, 
Well, I'm like, I mean, even Carter had said before, like, she can't tell people right. where she is a lot of the time, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so. true. I'd forgotten about that, yeah. Uh, and so when, well, when Garza ended up sending her home uh, that night, though, she does walk in on the, the dinner uh, and apologizes for forgetting. Um, but you can, again, tell that things are awkward between her and Dina at first because Simone didn't think that their breakup was messy yet dina did and she like just like little uh not even jabs or digs or anything but just little like mm-hmm. they just saw absolutely everything yeah. differently than the other did um in this episode and obviously cuddy and ruth know that there are tensions uh between them and so they managed to pull one over on them though and uh you know get them into staying at the house to work out their problems while uh they're gonna go out to dinner instead so yep. like the whole entire night it was just like this ruse to get them to you know work their stuff out um honey is a real one for that cracks me up too because they were like looking back like <laughs> over their shoulders as they're as they're just walking out the door like they yeah don't even care. um and so they do get to talk briefly um you know, and someone's wondering if things could have ended differently with them. And Dina mentions that they still can. I think this was the collaged photo that the Fed's account posted, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and so, you know, they end up hooking up and Dina stays the night, which is when Simone had the nightmare. And she's like, I got to go back to Idaho. And I, I just love the way that Jessica delivered the lie. She's like, what's in Idaho? Like, yeah. like, you know, Dina's like half asleep and she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> um, And later on, well, the evening of the second day, that literally didn't make any grammatical sense. The next evening, there we go. That's better. Um, <laughs> Simone returns home to see the... Um, you know ruth and dean are there um with cuddy and they're all getting ready to eat pie which also again then i wanted pie so all the food mentions in these episodes we went from breakfast to pie yep there in a matter of two hours (laughs) (laughs) um and ruth and cuddy decide to go on the patio right to eat theirs um and simone and dina talk for a moment and she kind of you know it's acknowledging she kind of made excuses the last time they tried to make this relationship work but she felt that she needed to prove herself um on the fbi first uh but now that she's kind of done that she needs to have you know some semblance of a personal life to add in with the professional part of her life and dina kind of wonders oh maybe you don't need a relationship right now maybe you need a friendship um and this is when Simone suggests the friends with benefits solution and the two are seen sneaking off together while uh, Ruth and Cuddy kind of wonder where the heck they are, which I thought was, was humorous as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like I love Ruth and Cuddy together and I love Simone and Dina. And I think I like put this out when I was tweeting last night, but I'm like, okay, if the two couples happen, or continue mm-hmm. to happen like I don't know how will it be because it's like mother and daughter are dating father and daughter and to me that's 
Oh, good. I don't God. know. It reminds me of like Lorelai and Rory dating Luke and Jess and Gilmore Girls. I'm like, how is this kind of working? I mean, I guess that was like oh, uncle gosh. and nephew, but still. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I guess I didn't really think of it. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm sure <laughs> I that it could, but to yeah. me, it's just like weird. I don't know. I don't know. But then, like, yeah. I don't want to give up those two couples. So I'm just kind of like, Mm-hmm. I'm willing to look the other way. <laughs> just see how it pans out. Yeah. First, maybe. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Well, because, like, um, you know, Cuddy and Ruth were like, oh, we're not going to, you know, move in together just yet because they both like their own space. So maybe it's kind of... Not that they're, like, breaking up by any means, but maybe it's, you know, mm-hmm. like, we'll see a little bit more of, you know, yeah. Simone and Dina or something. Of course, hopefully if they get a season two, maybe... <laughs> That could, you know, yeah. be something to be, like, flushed out more. Um, yeah. And our last little relationship side storyline was Brendan and Antoinette, who were absolutely adorable. And just, Antoinette was, like, them. sassy. And I loved it. Yes. <laughs> she also, did her dress have, like, a big slit going out the side? Or did I just, like, see that wrong? Oh, gosh. Because I thought that I noticed it and I tweeted the dress it. The photo? Like, like from no, the, the dress vlog? and like the jet. Oh. She was, I think she was wearing it the, all the time. Oh, right, but... that's true. You know what? I think it might have been because I remember posting that behind the scenes photo that Davika had posted when she was okay. on the jet with Jane. Or, well, you know, the jet, the yeah. <laughs> stage. Um, and I think I think the like well I thought it was a skirt at the time I didn't realize it was a dress but yeah I mean yeah. it had a like cut out thing yeah she was so sassy probably. Mm-hmm. She, she looked great I loved mm-hmm. it yeah I'm uh, really like I'm really liking her more the more that we're seeing her and Brenda yeah. like yeah yeah that's yeah, great um and so we start with Brendan bringing her coffee and she's working on something and when he asks you know what that is she mentions that she's looking at paint samples for her duplex and he's like "Mm, you don't have a duplex and she mentions that uh they're for one of the properties that she rents out so she's a landlord and brendan had Mm -hmm. no idea of that uh which i thought was funny and um later it's mentioned about this gossip blog post which is what well they had showed the second scene with mentioning the post this was like the first scene when they initially mention it um Mm -hmm. he mentions that there's this you know gossip blog post about the two of them having dinner and you know since there's a photo of Antoinette uh where you can you know like see her face um everyone's wondering who you know vampire cops mystery woman is and she's like okay so like let them wonder that's fine um and brendan explains that that's not how it works the internet the internet sleuths will track her down uh you know and find out things about her like she was the top goalie in the french hockey league and she was once questioned about an art theft uh in the loop and i just love again how she delivered the line she's like those are both true yeah like she you know just kind of trying to be you know innocent about it but matter of fact at the same time uh mm-hmm. and 
so you know brendan being brendan he's still wondering about all these things that she didn't share uh with him and so when he uh drops by her lab again later uh you know he mentions he's like maybe when i had said about you know not taking that hockey scholarship and how that was my biggest regret maybe that would have been prime time for you to mention you know your hockey accomplishments but she just kind of like essentially like shrugs and just is like i didn't really see the point <laughs> you know mm-hmm. she like she just didn't i mean not that she didn't care but she was just like I'm kind of doing my own thing. You know, like she didn't really feel like she had to yeah. reveal every single thing about herself, you know, in that uh, time. And poor Brendan again is like, okay, well, what about the art theft? And Antoinette explained that her boyfriend at the time did decide to steal uh, an art piece and, you know, but he was dangerous and ambitious and that's what she liked. And, I thought it was absolutely hysterical how she was kind of like reminiscing in like this almost fond way. I don't know if that's yeah. the right word, but just and it and then you can just see Brendan's face get more and more like contorted and just disgust. He's like, "Why is this happening right now?" Um, yeah, yeah, and um, later. Um, see, when they first showed Laura sitting at the table, I thought it was going to be something like completely case related but no uh-huh. it's literally just brendan <laughs> coming up to her and is still hung up about the things that he didn't know about antoinette and you know it's not like he just found out that she likes cream in her coffee it's things like oh her ex was a, you know a thief um mm-hmm. and i love how laura's always just like casually just sitting somewhere yeah mm-hmm. yeah and she uh she sympathizes Although she does mention that the that Renee guy, which I guess was Antoinette's uh, ex, was like, you know, mm, he was something. And Brendan's like, that's not helping. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, I don't know. So, like, that, those kinds of scenes, I was like, okay, if it's totally just platonic, like, that's fine. Because they're hilarious together, regardless. Um, yeah. I wonder, like, if Brendan, if Brendan, if Brendan, like, felt slightly threatened by like her previous relationship because like the thief was like like to be dangerous and you know maybe he feels like Antoinette's like totally like not settled but just kind of like totally changed how she is (laughs) and maybe like that's due to him or something yeah maybe yeah I mean because Laura had kind of even you know brought up you know instead of being jealous then you know try to like you know meet her on her level and do something mm-hmm. you know unexpected unpredictable etc um brendan sort of takes her advice in a way but in his own brendan acres way yes um, and we see well we see antoinette find a note for her to like meet him in the parking lot and it turns but out that he doesn't she have to like follow the path of like rose petals or something? Oh yeah. That's like true. like yeah, it's so cute. The path. Um it's adorable. And he has a goal set up and they're gonna, you know, battle it out in a hockey competition. But instead of points each time, well, I love how Brendan just assumed that he was going to make a lot of goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> because when, you know each time I make a goal you're gonna you know you can reveal something um that he didn't already know 
and it literally cuts to her blocking every single shot he took <laughs> i thought that was great yeah um, but you know she caves and you know says that she'll give him the three points um because well it showed three uh shots yeah. that he tried to take and um you know because it was a great thing that he did for her like setting up this whole thing and they're just the cutest they really are i just love them like oh my god and i'm so excited to see mark back next week too even yes. though i'm not gonna look forward to him being the worried boyfriend yeah but because like, we see that shot of him and brendan like looking at something at something and they look horrified. i don't yeah so i don't i mean but anyway um yes but brendan and antoinette are adorable and we win because we got hockey kevin <laughs> after we literally talked about it last week of just yeah. wanting to see kevin or mm-hmm. of wanting to see brendan play like any sport yeah go to a sport game literally anything yeah but now they can though because like if antoinette yeah. you know is like super into hockey if they both like hockey i mean let's yeah. go yeah. let's go but i mean i think we talked about this before we started recording that you know i just thought it was so funny that they put davika and all the pads and like all the mm-hmm. the bulky things and she's this tiny little person but sure yeah. it's like let's you know put her in the full uh goalie uniform yeah so i just thought it was great i just I love to like their little banter during it all. I was like, can we see more scenes like this for them? Like, I don't mind him like kind of spinning out, getting like a little freaked out because of like what she's doing or whatever. You know, I mean, that just adds like a little angst to their relationship or whatever. And we see that Brendan is a little like insecure and like unstable like that. But I would love to see more like cute moments like that for them. And, like, we never actually see their dates. We only ever hear about them. So, like, yeah, I would like to see a date. I mean, they could go to a Los Angeles, uh, like, Kings hockey game. Oh, is that what the team is? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know yeah. hockey. I don't follow hockey. I literally just Googled it. Same. I, <laughs> I knew that LA had a hockey team, but I didn't know what their, like, name was. So, thanks, Google. Awesome. But yeah, I just yeah. thought it was so cool because like Kevin's got a couple, you know, like IRL storylines for his mm-hmm. character in there. So yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was it for the rookie uh, episode. This was probably one of my favorites. Like I could easily mm-hmm. follow it. It wasn't like too heavy on the ca- I mean, it was heavy on the case, but it wasn't like case lingo heavy you know yeah. it wasn't like a bunch of jargon yeah i mean there were just a lot of cuts so like back and forth back and forth and i was like mm-hmm. oh okay we're back in you know california oh okay we're in idaho again at the prison like so but i mean i understand it makes that hard for outlining yeah um but yeah no i mean like overall though yeah i thought it was a really good episode and like high stakes but still mm-hmm. a good you know you had the action part then you had the lighter relationship moments yeah i thought it was interesting how they were looking for suspects but like they zeroed in on the terrorist you know it wasn't like they were hunting him down (laughs) you know they were like looking specifically for the people that he was teamed up with but yeah yeah Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, we do have one listener thought. Laura G has said the hockey scene last night. Oh my God. That was my favorite scene of all time. She's a big uh, Kevin Zegers fan too. So good. Everyone yeah. should be a Kevin Zegers fan. Honestly, everyone should be a Kevin Zegers and Brett Robertson fan. I'm just yes. saying their friendship is amazing. He oh, like for her birthday, he had posted on his Instagram story and he was like, love you, B-Rit or something. Oh my God, it is. I just love, because like she calls him Kev too, because like mm-hmm. he's like commented stuff. If we somehow, somehow don't get a season two for the rookie feds, can we please get Brett and Kevin either casted in something else together and have mm-hmm. that go on? Or just make more appearances on the rookie. And, yeah. you know, they can still, like, keep up their Fed's appearance. Mm-hmm. But, like, we obviously won't have the show. Yeah. But, no, we're manifesting a season two for the show. Mm-hmm. For Fed's. Yeah. I mean, because, like, I mean, the likelihood. I mean, because Kevin and James both worked on Rebel together. I mean, they didn't really share any scenes mm-hmm. on that show. But then they were both cast in Fed's. So, it can happen. Yeah. You know, the actors from other shows get cast on yeah no but we're manifesting season two because they've done really well with numbers and they have a good like backing like a good franchise like universe behind them so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. here's to a season two hopefully we're manifesting Mm -hmm. it but yeah do we have any other notes on the rookie feds other than we love Brendan and that it was yeah. a good episode. Still just protect Laura Stenson at all costs next week. But that's next week. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> next week. I'll yeah, be next week it might be time. an even longer episode. Honestly, we'll have Lucy going undercover and Laura Stenson getting hurt. Like, yeah. no, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. I like that, but I also don't like that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll be on the edge of our seats, though, until... Mm-hmm next tuesday but you guys can find us on twitter at the shop talk pod underscore or email us at shop talk the rookie podcast at gmail.com with all of your thoughts you can find us individually on twitter as well i'm at jstark804 and i'm at carrie hyman and we're also on tiktok at the shop talk podcast underscore um we do have a t public store they're they're always having sales so be sure to check that out Um, And if you liked this episode of Shop Talk, uh, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps out the podcast and helps other fans find us. Um, And yeah, we'll be back next week covering the 521 and 121 crossover. Probably our, I mean, I'm sure that it's our last crossover of the year of the season. So Mm -hmm. I wonder how many crossovers we've had for the rookie and rookie feds in just this season alone. Oh, like, wow. not counting the backdoor pilot. Oh, okay, I was going to say, I was, like, trying to count that one. And I would At say one three that others promoted. At least three others. Yeah. That I can think of. Because there was the one in the fall. The... Well, the January one when they came back. Uh-huh. I guess I'm counting the one where you like actually see Brenson on the rookie more, even though they didn't actually promote it. So I guess maybe two, unless I'm missing one. Yeah, because I'm thinking of ones that they haven't promoted as like a crossover. It's just like, uh-huh. oh, like Laura's showing up or whatever. 
Yeah. Because we had like Angela and Wesley on the rookie feds Thanksgiving ish one, but that wasn't a crossover either. So, yeah, that wasn't heavily promoted. I think they just put that in the episode description. So, yeah. So, yeah, we should count it up though. Two. So okay. far, this makes three. Unless we're wrong, which we might be. I don't know. Yeah. It's 11 o'clock over here for me. I'm like, I'm lucky I'm still functioning. <laughs> yeah um yeah i don't know it seems like it's been quite a few crossovers but then again like they're still ironing it all out too so mm-hmm. yeah but i don't know it looks like it could be good just based on the episode descriptions and promo so mm-hmm. until then have a good week everyone bye bye guys go get them boo